back-to-back wins for the Indianapolis Colts. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley on a dreary Monday morning here yes. in the nap. Welcome back to another edition of Kevin's Corner. Two and one football team. A cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Healthy, 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 which uh, is really good. Exiting week three and uh, we got a lot to cover on this edition of Kevin's Corner. How's the weekend, man? Your balls struggled, but got it done. Struggled a little bit, got it done. Didn't cover the four and a half, of course. Got the four. Um, I usually like to stay off of the Tennessee football games to, you know, my heart versus yeah. my wallet, but smart. decided to bet on it. Um, Not smart. Yeah, and then, as we mentioned off air, you know, your Reds and my Braves meeting in the postseason. Yeah. So a little noon, a little nooner on Wednesday I saw for game one. So, yeah, the Reds, incredible finish to the season. And thankfully, they're handing out participation trophies in Major League <laughs> Baseball this year. So just about everybody right. uh, gets into the playoffs. And um, in all seriousness, you know, kudos to Major League Baseball for steering the ship and studying things. Right. I, if you'd asked me, you know, two months ago, I would not have thought we would be here postseason-wise. But um, things seem to be going well. I guess the NFL had their first positive test with um, mm-hmm. the Atlanta corner, A.J. Terrell. Um, but yeah, still pretty good. No surprise scratches for the Colts on Sunday or anything like that. So yeah, uh, today's pod will obviously cover, uh, what I liked, uh, a couple things I didn't like, but for the most part, again, um, a lot of things that I liked from the 36, seven blasting of the New York jets. Um, I guess let's first just touch briefly on kind of just overall thoughts, Chris, um, you know, I really tried to drive it home, play to your standard, not your competition. Mm-hmm. They were closer to their standard. It was not perfect by any means, but closer to your standard than your competition. Yes. And it's better than the alternative because, unfortunately, with this franchise, we've seen them lose these sorts of games. Mm -hmm. You know, Miami last year comes to mind, Jacksonville a couple years ago. Hell, maybe even Jacksonville week one. So um, I, I think you need to give credit. While it's difficult for me to take away a whole lot from yesterday and say, yes. That right there, they're going to do that in January, and they're going to make a run to the AFC title or something like that, or vice versa. Like, man, that right there, that really, really worries you. Uh, it's just not a great measuring stick game for postseason football. Having said that, when you get to the NFL in a 16-game schedule, they're all really important to making the playoffs, and so a win is a win. And yes, you beat absolutely. a team by 26 in the NFL, it is noteworthy. The Jets are freaking terrible. Their roster sucks. Adam Gase should be fired. It is a pathetic display of NFL football going on in New York right now. Um, but still, 26-point win, or was it, it was more than that, wasn't it? 36-7? 36, 36-7, yeah. 29-point mm-hmm. win. Um, yeah, I kind of tuned it out there <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Just started writing. Um, yeah, good work. Good work. A um, little bit better of a measuring stick, I think, coming up here. Uh, certainly Sunday and then the next couple weeks. But, man, I, I had forgotten it had been nearly a year since you had won back-to-back games. That's you know, unbelievable. It was week eight of last season. So, stringing it together. Your defense nearly covered the spread mm-hmm. just by itself. A uh, lot, of, lot of good things from this game. And they played a complete 40 minutes, too. Or, yeah, complete game, I should say, not 40 minutes. Um because, like you said, you kind of tune it out towards the end when you're beating a team by that much. But they didn't give up a late touchdown. Defense still stayed engaged. You got that late safety. We're getting closer to on track of that 40 turnovers that they want to have in a season. 
and that was good to see. And, and, you know, I thought just the biggest thing, too, was, again, I go back to the health department of just, you know, this time last week, we're talking Malik Hooker done for the year. Mm -hmm. We're talking Paris Campbell potentially done for the year. Uh, you're already dealing with the Marlon Mack thing. You know, Michael Pittman ankle injury goes back in the game and plays and catches footballs yeah. after that, and that, that looked to be it. You know, we'll see nicks and bruises that inevitably come out of every game, but still – the two things that you needed the most was just a win and stay healthy. Right. And you got it done, and that's a good day in the NFL. Yeah, and a good thing we're a Colts podcast, not a Falcons podcast. Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> a, a race to be fired first, Adam Gase or Dan Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. I, I can't believe the foul. I told my buddies bet on the Falcons, and boy, <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah, things you liked. I mean, we talked about the defense talked about the the health injuries and the concerns but the back end the cornerback playmaking yesterday was great it, it was better than great it was um it was incredible it was rare it was you forgot rocky scene wasn't playing mm -hmm. and we can break down each interception but i think we'll start here i expected stifling defense the jets were down their top five wideouts it should have been suffocating and it was mm -hmm. it was contesting it was challenging I mean, even those plays Darnold made early, it was Houdini-like, some of those escapes. I mean, it looked like luck yeah. in, in 2012 when that O-line was, you know, as good as you and me starting out there. Um, just some terrific plays with his legs. And it was more of just kind of coverage. The, the coverage is forcing him to hold on to the ball longer than he wanted to hold on to it. So, really, really good. Uh, I guess let's break down each interception, Chris, because I think all three of them are so different. The first one by Rhodes textbook man coverage and textbook knowledge of situational football i think it was a third and six something like that um i've got the game book in front of me where is it third and six um for the jets there rookie wide out as soon as lawrence cager gets just past the sticks Rhodes knows what's coming comeback route boom yeah. i know it Sits on it, reads it. He's in he's in better position to catch the football than the rookie is. And Darnold makes no other read, locks in on it. I don't know how much Rhodes is really looking at Darnold's eyes. I think he's more reading the wideout. And not only do you make the pick, but I couldn't believe just how instinctually aggressive he was than to turn up field. Right. And take it to the house. You know, a lot of times, you know, guys pick balls off and they just they aren't thinking clearly and they go down, which whatever, it's fine. It's all bonus. But Boy, does that send a message? Does that set the tone? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I always think back to the Matt Hasselbeck comment, uh, Green Bay, Seattle. Like, I want the ball, and we're going to score. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's Rhodes took it and just turned up field. So, boy, that was picture perfect. The second pick, I it had to have been a busted coverage. I think Rhodes just screwed that up, honestly. Because <laughs> Kenny Moore's pointing at him pre-snap, like, you know, you stick with that man is almost what it seemed like. Like, these two are going to crisscross. You stick with that. Everyone else is in man. And Rhodes, like, didn't really celebrate the pick that much. After the game, he was very coy about the coverage. Like, I think he screwed up. Darnold thinks he screwed up. Darnold called it a busted coverage after the game. Mm -hmm. But the thing about it, Chris, is, like, if you're going to screw up, you better get your eyes on the quarterback, especially in the red zone. The nice thing is if you're going to screw up in a short area of the field, you don't have a, a large chunk of the field to cover. Correct. And I thought Xavier did a really nice job of locking eyes with Darnold. Again, Darnold looked, I'm sorry, I know it's low-hanging fruit, but I thought he was seeing Ghost again. 
just it was just kind of like, wait, what? I, I know you're missing all these wideouts, but you're 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 locking in big time. Um, huge interception there. You know, takes away at least three points, if not more. And then the third pick, you know, TJ Carey talked about this after the game. And this was intriguing to me after the Jacksonville game. I asked Matt Eberflus about the defense and, and you know, the busted assignments that have felt like it's looked to be miscommunication to me week one. Eberflus had mentioned, which I thought was encouraging, and I and I, I said this on that Wednesday podcast after the Jacksonville game. When Eberflus mentioned we're trying to do things differently on third down yes. this season, that caught my ears. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's different. And Kerry, even though he hasn't been here, he's a, such a great quote. He talked about it, and I mentioned this in the story I posted late last night on 107.5thefan.com. Pre-snap, post-snap reads, we want it to look different for quarterbacks. What you see pre-snap is not what it's going to be post-snap. Right. And the carry interception is that. I think it's a very man look pre-snap, settle into zone. Carry won't have an easier interception in his entire career. It's his first pick six since college, which for a guy that's been in the league for – you know, seven, I think seven-ish years, that's um, that's quite a stat. So um, that was just kind of the icing on the cake. But that play, more so than any of the three, I think is very indicative of the strides that this pass defense needs to make, mm-hmm. is starting to make, and should become the norm. Disguising. That was the big word You know, we use all offseason long of be a better disguising unit. Um, so just, I mean, great playmaking, man. Six picks in the last two games. Right. Uh, that that one was for, um, that was a win for Chris Ballard yesterday. You know, oh, for Quincy sure. Wilson, you traded away, is on that mm-hmm. sideline. Pierre Desir, who you cut, is on that team. Uh, Desir, I thought that was kind of a questionable pass interference penalty in the end zone. T.Y., I think, laughed a little bit about it. Um, but he makes the, you know, he has the penalty. Rhodes has the big plays. Uh, T.J. Carey makes a big play as well. And uh, and th- let's throw Kenny Moore into the group when we're talking cornerback playmaking. No one can tackle Sam Darnold. Leave it to five <laughs> nine, one hundred yeah. you know eighty pound Kenny Moore to bring him down for that sack. So really, really good playmaking from that unit, and just you know a, a positive step. It it wasn't Sam Darnold going eighty percent on you like he did as a rookie. It wasn't Gardner Minshew going. Not, it, it's not perfect. We'll get into that but it is a positive step forward for this pass defense, and that was a must after week one. And for me, I feel I feel like we knew about Rhodes' size coming into the season, but the deflection last week, the interception, there's some plays that he makes that that just pops and stands out on the tape. I'm glad you brought that up because Xavier was pretty adamant during the offseason that he felt like he was in good position last year, but he struggled to the point of attack, the moment of truth stuff that we mm-hmm. always talk about. Think about the play against Thielen last week that you talk about. His length, making that play for the pass deflection at the last moment. Obviously, the play he makes on Cager uh, on that second, third down of the game and and to have the pick six. I mean, high risk, high reward was kind of the thinking with Rhodes. Not financially. It was a one-year deal. Like That's not very high risk, high reward. It's more of his play on the field. And, you know, so far through three games, we've kind of seen that. Mm -hmm. Week one. It was Cromartie-like in a bad way uh, from Xavier Rhodes, but the last two weeks it's been much better from him, and I think he offers you a little bit more with that. So uh, without Rocky seeing game ball to the entire cornerback group. And then jumping to the offensive side of the ball, 
Philip Rivers playing like he did last week, just efficient, high pass percentage, just getting the job done. Nothing spectacular, but gets the job done. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, I mentioned the stat last Wednesday, above 75%, above that 7.5 yards per attempt. He was 80% on Sunday. He was 10 yards per pass attempt. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I'm not trying to rip Luck, but it just seems like a, a, an easy comparison. Luck did it five times in his career. Phil Rivers played three games with the Colts. He's done it three times. That's That was such a crazy stat to me last week when you yeah, told me Yeah, and, and it, it, I'm, trust me, it's crazy. I looked it up, and I'm like, no way. No way. <laughs> I got to look this up. You know, I got to double, triple check this. Um, no turnovers, still no three and outs. Um, man, it, it's just been very efficient. Again, there are things with this offense that still need some tweaking and some fixing, but in the two key metrics, you've made this massive jump to where you're able to s- sustain drives a little bit better. Um, you're just getting a more efficient passing offense. Right. Pass protection, really good. Uh, the Mo Alley Cox big play over the middle of the field. That is your guards getting out and, and getting to the edge, helping out the tackles at the last second. It's a subtle play by Rivers. He steps up in the pocket and, and you know just doesn't panic. You know I feel like that's a play that you know last year you might have got a little panicky from your quarterback there. So uh, better in the red zone, mm-hmm. two for two. The near red zone still struggled a little bit, but um, I like that. I think you're going to have to be more creative schematically in the red zone this season without Campbell, still without Burton. You just, and and Frank tried to do that. You know, he brought Doolin on the field, tried to disguise something there with him. He had Danny Pintner on the field on the Mo Alley Cox touchdown. So you, you, you show the jumbo personnel and then you play action it to a wide open Mo there. So, um, Two of two in the red zone. So, again, step in the right direction there. But um, Phillip Rivers continues to be an upgraded quarterback. And that is what we what we have tried to stress all offseason long, that the Colts believe this is an upgrade. And the ways they believe it's an upgrade, we are seeing. Correct. It's been the mental chess match, get the ball out quick, avoid the sacks, high completion percentage, a yards per attempt number that's just enough. We still haven't seen the big vertical, even the Alley Cox. We don't call that, you know, the big Russell Wilson over the top to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf acting like I'm just an idiot. <laughs> but um, you are getting enough right now to your passing offense. Yeah, and what helps Rivers is I know another point you wanted to touch on it. Back to a more sure-handed Ty Hilton. Yeah, and Chris, this is not this that game will not go down as one of Ty Hilton's greatest games by any means, but. I did want to throw this in here as one more thing that I liked. It's just, again, positive step forward. I don't know if it's a jolt for him. It's three catches and three targets for 52 yards, but it, it's better than what he had shown the first couple of weeks. You know, he mentioned talking to Grandma. I know Reggie Wayne reached out to him as well last week. Um, you know, first pass play of the game. Yes. Right there to Hilton, I think, to try and give him a little bit of a jolt. Um, so still, you need more production from him. He didn't really play the fourth quarter, so obviously that you know plays into maybe he would have had four for seventy or something like yeah. that or a little bit more. But uh, it, it, it's an again a needed step forward. Having said that, you still need T.Y. Hilton to be that dog for you. And I love that you have five five wide receivers who averaged over double digits on per catch. 
Really? It's just great, yeah. So that was Fount- Fountain was in there as well? Correct. Uh, uh, yes. Yep. What What was Fountain? Was it two Fountain catches? had two for 23, so 11 and a half. And it, nice job by him. Just kind of, th- there were a couple mentals that I noticed with him, but still, Pittman gets hurt during the game for a few series. You need Reese Fountain to come in here and... And that is the one positive that you like of it was a fourth You don't usually have that in the NFL where you can play your freshmen, if you will, or play right. your guys that hardly see the field. Um, I, I think Reese Fountain needed that. First NFL catch uh, needed that. And uh, good work by Pas- Pascal played the most snaps of any wide out. And, um, you know, Doolin getting in the game. You're going to need these guys to um, step up for you. I know with a game like that, like we said, it's kind of hard to nitpick at what you didn't like since it was or felt like a complete game. But what didn't you like? You know, just in general, Chris, I I didn't feel like the Colts were 29 points better than the Jets. And and I know you can get really skewy with that, and it can uh, seem like you're nitpicking, but um, we will critically analyze this game like any, I think, human being who covers an NFL team should, and certainly Mm -hmm. how the coaching staff should be critically evaluating. It's... You love the playmaking, and it's rare. I mean, what, since 1970, the first time you had pick, two pick sixes in a game. I mean, just yeah. absurd playmaking. That can sometimes cover up how big of a discrepancy it looks on the scoreboard. You know, when you see 36-7, you're like, holy shit, that's dominant. But there are a lot of stats you can look to in the box score that doesn't indicate such a blowout there for you. Um I would say the trench play in the first half was disappointing to me. Frank Gore is, I love Frank Gore, first ballot Hall of Famer in my mind. Mm -hmm. You have that longevity at that position. I say first ballot. Is he faster than me? (laughs) I mean, Frank Gore four yards per carry at halftime and Jonathan Taylor 3.1 yards per carry at halftime? No, no. When they're missing five wideouts and they still are able to get four yards per carry, like, and this run defense has been in the first two years under Eberflus pretty good. It's had some shaky moments early early in the season. Um, you know Taylor in the run game. We'll get into this more. I think there's a Twitter question about it. I I don't think the vision is where it needs to be. Is it the most stunning thing right now? No. And again, I'll get into that a little bit later, but. Um, I also think the run blocking. St- I mean, you know, Quinton Williams, you know, showed to Quentin Nelson, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I'm a top five pick. Yep. And, and there were some plays there in the first half you'd like to have back. Still, just not the establishing of the line of scrimmage that you'd like to see. I think from the run game output for the Colts, a uh, little bit spotty tackling as well. You know, Darnold again doing kind of his yeah. Houdini thing there. And, and then lastly, and Frank Reich mentioned this on more than one occasion, third downs. Colts are the worst team in the NFL right now on third down. You know, it's like 30%. I think they were 3 of 10 yesterday. So that is an area that that has to um, has to improve in that. So, I mean, if you're going to tell me the Jets lose Mekhi Becton, they're already down one tackle, and I just would have liked, you know, you didn't have that, you didn't have that D-line sack until the Justin Houston mop-up there late. You know, it was Kenny Moore getting the one sack. So, um, I, I'm perfectly fine being critical in, in in a few areas because I think it should be because this is not the barometer. The, the Jets are the laughing stock of the NFL. We had Adam. I could audibly hear fire Adam Gase chants inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, <laughs> which is 
so sad and it so is. hilarious all at the same time. Um, so this is not the barometer that you go off of, but this is the recent game, so you you analyze it like you should. But um, yeah, the, the, those are just a couple things that I think you got to look at. Any murmurs or rumblings uh, in the press box when Hot Rod missed the field goal? Nothing too alarming. Um, yeah, nothing too. Just you know, I, I think we had he was in such a rhythm, mm-hmm. but when he hit the first extra point off the upright, that kind of gets your attention, and then you're. And that kissed in, and, and the second one, you know, really had no chance of going in once it hit that upright. Um, yeah, what was it? Was it 42? Was that the distance on it? I, I'd have to go back and look that up. Um, you know, so far, what is he, 8 of 10? Yeah. 41 was the missed extra, was the missed field goal there. That was just disappointing because you felt like, you know, that was a chance to kind of, you know, step on him a little bit there. And selfishly through these first three games, I think, what I'm disappointed for Hot Rod is just he hasn't had the ability to kick a long one. True. You know, you've true. only had game pressure on you in one game so far. And he has, I mean, I think 44 is as long, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, so I've far. I think it's somewhere around there, yeah. So, yeah, that's just selfishly, again, something you would like. Obviously, you see what Steven Goskowski's doing yesterday. My just goodness. Absolutely absurd there with those kicks. But let's, let's do mention special teams, man. I mean, control and field position again. 16-yard advantage there. That is huge. Yep. Huge. 25 yards last week, 16 this week. Bubba Ventrone and that group, um, I think it was Matt DM me on Instagram, pointed out just a great note. Rodrigo Blankenship hasn't had a touch. Excuse me. Rigoberto Sanchez hasn't had a touchback since week two of last season. Really? Whew. That's a year of football, folks. My goodness. Absurd uh, what you're getting from him. Um, so I think the average drive start for the Jets was the 18-yard line. I mean, the Jets, like, the Colts were the scratch golfer. The Jets should have been a 25-handy. The Jets should have started every drive from yeah. the Colts 18, and I don't think they would have won this game anyways. That's just <laughs> how sorry the Jets are. But, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's dive into Twitter questions. All right. First one this week comes from Tanner. Um, Said he saw a tweet from Stephen Holder saying the team wasn't very was very, was very underwhelming quote unquote by this Colts team. Any thoughts on that? At this point, it was, had only been two weeks through the season uh, for the improved defense, but that's two more than we had last year. Maybe you can help decipher what Stephen was talking about. Yeah, I, I I did see that. I saw Robert Mathis be the bully on Twitter that Robert Mathis loves to be. <laughs> um, I believe the tweet came at halftime. Uh, to be frank, Colts were up ten, but I was I was probably a little underwhelmed by what I saw from the Colts in the first half. Again, I I, I go back to the the individual plays; it can just skew some things a little bit. True, you know when you when you get that crazy playmaking, it's awesome and it's huge and it's better than the alternative. But when you're talking about making kind of grander statements about the team as a whole, it, it wasn't a very dominant first half from the Colts. So I, I have I mean. What I can't stand about Twitter is like when people tweet at you, well, this tweet aged poorly at the time. <laughs> that's why I tweeted it. Like the Colts, you know, were terrible on third down at one point. Then if they get four in a row, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different circumstance. So I have no issue with Steven's tweet. Colts fan and Cincy, is it okay to be cautious about going all in on the defense until they've played some better teams like those starting after week nine? The Jags, the Jags looked better than advertised, but letting Minshew go 19 of 20 is still inexcusable. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy 
but I'm cautious. Yeah, and I don't know if the Jags look better than advertised. I think I think the Jags will be drafting top ten again. Um, it, very fair statement. Very fair. Uh, some really encouraging things. You know, I would say that what I'm seeing from this past defense has been encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm seeing from the past offense and those key metrics that that we talk about is also encouraging. But yes, the barometer has been. I would say it's probably a decent chance the three teams you've played are drafting in the top ten this season. Like it's, but you so there's a level of you play who shows up on your schedule. Mm-hmm. But we don't on September 28th. We don't need to be sitting here saying, "Yep, one and done in the playoffs, Colts right there," <laughs> or AFC Championship Colts team right there. Like, no, I mean it's fun to look ahead, and we do look ahead, but. Um, yeah, you're always curious. When is water going to find its level? Last year, the Colts start five and two, but you didn't. Fe- Not every record is the same. You know, the Bears at three and zero. I mean, are they really an undefeated football team? Like, yes, in record, and that helps about getting into the playoffs. But no one's sitting here acting like the Bears going to. Bears just bench their starting quarterback. Yeah, and they're starting the year three and zero. That shows you what the staff thinks of their football team so far. This one comes from David. What were the tight end snap counts? Jack Doyle was healthy, but quiet. Moali Cox is starting to carve out a nice role on this team. Any word on Trey Burton's status? Okay, a lot there. Um, Allie Cox had 36 snaps. I think that's 36 of, um, I want to say that's like 60%. Yes, I think I believe you're correct. For Mo. Um, Doyle was 32, and Tungiai was 16. I am surprised about zero targets for Jack. In that, uh, you know, snap counts are a little skewed in the fourth quarter of a blowout. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's something to keep. But, I mean, I would I would agree with what David's saying. Mo Alley's really starting to carve out a nice role. Now, Trey Burton, Frank was asked about after the game. He's eligible to come back this week. It's his former team. That just cut him. Yep. He would think he'd like to play. Frank did say he's not all the way back, has made some strides, but not all the way back. I hear that. My gut tells me maybe no on him for this week. Okay. But let's monitor it, of course. And I also say that because, you know, he admits rushed back last season for the opener. Yes. You know, is he more hesitant? Now, seeing Chicago on the schedule might might get you thinking a little differently, but still, that is something to note. This one comes from Big Bama. From the past couple of seasons, do you see a little bit of growth in terms of the scheme from the defense? And who do you think is the X factor moving forward besides the big three in Leonard, Kenny Moore, and Buckner? Big Bama, I, I do see some things differently, which I did not say two mm-hmm. weeks ago. I, I'm seeing more unique things. It goes back to the third down mindset that we talked about earlier. It, it's just needed. It's it's you have quarterback. NFL rules favor the offense. Point blank. Correct. They just do. So you've got to do things that can confuse opposing QBs. And the easiest or the most advantageous thing to do is you come to the line of scrimmage and you see one thing, and as soon as that ball snap, you show another. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's a lot more complex than how I just laid it out, but it's needed. Yes. And, and I am starting to see that Big Bama. Um, biggest X factor after the big three? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the easy name to go after off of uh, after yesterday, but I mean Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Seen would probably be right up there, just because I think your outside corners mean so much. I would probably throw an edge rusher. You know, does Kamoko Turi come back in November right. and give you this jolt? 
Um, I, I'd place those guys in the X Factor category. You happy with what you're seeing out of Okariki? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would selfishly like to see a little bit more. He, he really played a lot more than Anthony Walker yesterday. Yes. Um, with the Jets heavy in their three wide personnel groupings. Um, yeah, just a little bit more from him. You know, he, he is this tremendous athlete. I think he can be more of a splash player type of guy for you. Um, you know, I don't want to get too, too greedy with the, uh, with the playmaking because it's been really good the last two weeks. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see just a tad more. Okay. Pretty, pretty solid, but, but yeah, just, just a tad more. This next one comes from Aaron. Has the overall good play of the defense, speeding up the quarterback's clock, helped the, quote, on-the-job training, end quote, for younger members of the secondary? Um, that's a good thought there. I mean, honestly, Chris, I, I thought yesterday was more coverage. I did too. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I really thought it was really good coverage from you. And I didn't think the D-line created, well, I thought they created some pressure early, but just couldn't finish those plays, you know, not enough pressure to force incompletions or throwaways or, or things like that. Um, so yeah, I honestly think the disrupting of timing has been more secondary related. I know Buckner had the big, just, I think the Jets forgot to block him and, and DeForest Buckner showed off some crazy speed at six, seven, 300, no but much more of a quieter day from Buckner in that realm. This next one's from Matt. Pick sixes against the Colts JV team are nice, but does it mask the fact that the same team drove down the field on us twice? What do you see as something the Colts defense still lacks after three weeks besides a steady pass rush? Dude, I don't even know if I call them the JV team, Matt. <laughs> Seriously. You know, that's like if you got a big JV roster, maybe it's your JVB. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't. Boy. Um, I'd like to see him a little bit better against the run, like I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, a steady pass rush. I know they have some really nice pass rush numbers. In some areas, but um, there's such a big rush with four group that I would like to see just maybe more so off the edge, a little bit more of that um, from them. I just thought, you know, two backup tackles in there, you know, banged up center. Uh, again, you're not worried about any of your wide out, any of their wideouts to where you need a double or you know have help over the top or anything like that. I would I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more there. David wants to know, besides the obvious addition of pressure up the middle with Buckner, what's the one biggest change in our defense from last year to this year? Yeah, I think I think it's been a little bit stickier um, on, on the outside and just more opportune. Better position mm-hmm. to make plays on the ball. And really, it's just been the last two weeks. I, I cannot throw week one in this at all. Um, but the last two weeks, I feel like they've just done a better job of really from the – like even – okay – Think back to the first Vikings drive of the game and the first uh, Jets drive of the game. Both moved the ball. Well, I should say the second Jets drive after the pick six. Both moved the ball down the field. But Adam Thielen's making heroic questions, or <laughs> excuse me, heroic catches yes. on that first drive for the Vikings. And, I mean, again, Darnold was running for his life and, and making plays off script as well. So you made things difficult for them. Uh, that was encouraging to see. It wasn't this comfortability in this easing into the game like you saw from Minshew week one. Um, so, yeah, I'd say just stickier, disrupting at a higher rate. 
This one comes from Jason. Were the picks by Darnold more of a bad quarterback or our defense tricking the quarterback into bad throws? Yeah, Darnold made a few plays yesterday that I'm like, man, does he suck? <laughs> you never knew what you were going to get with him. Like you said, yeah. he did make some plays that I thought too, like that kind of looked like luck the way he was able to move. Right. And then sometimes even him, you know, hitting himself on the helmet like, what am I doing? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of torn on uh, on Darnold, I, and obviously he's dealing with a just a slew of injuries. Uh, I, I think you got to break down each one, Jason, which we did earlier. You know, I, I do think Rhodes busted that coverage in the end zone. Um, TJ Carey, that was definitely a disguise, and then Xavier just pure man. So it was a little bit of everything on the three picks, which I think is encouraging as well. Yes, it wasn't just you had some one go to look, or it was. But on all three of them, Darnold's eyes, man. I mean, he didn't even scan the freaking field, I felt like. So that obviously aids you there. And, I mean, hell, it's not like, I mean, what, Foles, Baker, and Burrow the next three weeks probably. I mean, you know, you aren't facing a top-ten quarterback now. Hell, I watched Aaron Rodgers last night. And and you talk about a measuring stick coming in here late November. I mean, he's throwing to guys – Named Allen and Marquez. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. Yeah. Rodgers, Russell Wilson, your MVP through three weeks. No kidding. All right, this one's from Stan. Fair or unfair? We won't have a fair barometer for who the 2020 Colts actually are until we finish their Titans series week 12. Um, That's a good one, Stan. I would maybe say a little earlier than that. Now, if you need, like, a multiple-game sample size – Probably the Titans week 12, but don't you play Baltimore before that? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure you play, do you play Green Bay before that? Yes. Um, so yeah, you're going to have a couple of games that you would call playoff teams for sure. Um, and and I, I think what we need to look at the course and the flow of a 16 game schedule in two different sort of scenarios. And one scenario is this. The NFL season is 16 games long. You lose one to a bad team, you're behind the eight ball, and you can't afford to do it again. If you lose another, it's going to be difficult to make the postseason. Mm -hmm. So the Colts continue to avoid disaster. Yesterday, A loss yesterday would have been disastrous. Yes. So that is a positive. That is a good job, Colts. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm talking to Rosie Bo here, but it's just like <laughs> it, it, it's basic. It, it's just simple. But we've seen this team again. The loss to Miami in 2019. The loss to Jacksonville in 2018. Was the loss week one one of those losses to the Jags? Right. Okay, if it was, at least you've avoided another one. Um, so you can look at it like that and just be very conscious of yesterday was a positive result. It is a win. It is a 2-1 and one football team. That's where I think a lot of people thought they'd be, at least I did, through three weeks. So that's good. Then you can also look at it as measuring stick for the month of January. How can this team do in the playoffs against better competition? And that's where I go back to, you've got encouraging signs. The pass defense, more disruption, more playmaking, the passing offense and that efficiency. Like There are some encouraging signs. There are also some discouraging signs. You are dead last in the league in third down. I think the Colts rank like, I want to say it's like 24th in rushing yards per carry right now. Wow. I mean, that's not a figure no. we would have expected against these teams through the first three weeks. So, again, there's encouraging and there's discouraging stuff. 
And it's our job to kind of sift through all that BS and and try to make an accurate observation. As of right now, I said 10 and 6 before the start of the season. Yeah, I, I, I'm not wavering too much off that. I've seen some 9 and 7, some 8 and 8. I've probably seen some moments of 11 and 5. Maybe not much higher than that because I know the back half of the schedule is, is much more difficult. But that's kind of how I look at things right now, Stan. Kevin, Alex feels like the defense is playing great, but it seems they could get more sacks and not enough speed from the outside. Do we have any updates on Ture, and when can we expect play from Banigou? Well, I mean, Banigou's playing. He's just been kind of quiet, you know. I, I felt like yesterday could have been a good slump buster fourth quarter for him, and, and you never really felt it. Uh, we, we won't say Ture until uh, at least November. You know, that's that's the rules on the physically unable to perform list. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, though. Kenny Moore had the blitzing sack. Just a great job by Moore to bring down Darnold. Mm-hmm. But then again, nothing until Houston took advantage of the backup left tackle late in the game. So, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, speed on the outside it is a worry with that pass rush. This one comes from Craig. Great game, but what is more concerning, the offensive line and the rush attack, which only generated 3.8 yards per carry average against a mediocre Jets defense, or the Colts defensive line, which generated two sacks against the Jets O-line, that had both of their starting tackles out for most of the game? Yeah, that, that's a good question, Craig. I could probably make cases for both, but I would say I expect more from the run game. You know, that's where all the draft capital is on that O-line and, hell, even Taylor. So um, I would probably say expect a little bit more from the run game. Um, yeah. Ken says, I'm sitting here trying to be trying not to be critical with the lead that we have in the fourth in the fourth behinds is in one and is in one and two downs and then we put Taylor in for the third down is that to disguise for later in the game feels like we use Hines on the wrong downs and plays every week sidebar also listens every week and when he was deployed in Iraq last year this gave him a little taste of normal and feeling at home keep it up and appreciate it Love, love hearing that, Keenan. Uh, first, thank you, mm-hmm. you know, for your service and and obviously making the ultimate sacrifice. And I speak for Chris and I say we're glad that we can provide a bit, bit of relief for you. Absolutely. So thank you for that. Um, you know, the personnel groupings did stand out to me a bit yesterday, Chris, and that they're interesting. And you know, Frank, I, I, I remember last year he was really frustrated at one point, or kind of like a bye week thing that you evaluate in that the Colts were uh, tipping their hand too much with Naeem Hines. Basically, and I don't know if these numbers are exactly accurate, but like at one point last year, the Colts were throwing the ball, I think 75% of the time, Naeem Hines is on the field. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to tip his hand that much. So I think you are trying to do a little bit of window dressing, which, again, I know there's a fine line in that because we talk about the fourth down. Was Jacksonville the fourth down? Or I... I kind of forget the fourth yes. down where Hines was in the game and got, you know, he got stuffed on that mm-hmm. fourth and one. So I know, again, there is a balance to that, but there also is a balance, and I don't want to tip my hand too much with that. So maybe that's a little bit of, you know, kind of that. You know, I also noticed at one point yesterday you had a wide receiver grouping on third down of Fountain, Pascal, and Doolin. I mean, right. you know. I think Pittman was banged up, which, again, sometimes this stuff happens. Guys take themselves out of games. It's an equipment issue. It's something weird. But, I mean, how is Hilton not on the field in that third down there? So, I, I, I hear you out, Keenan, but I also I, – I'm not going to 
nitpick it too, too much because I do think you've got to have a bit of unpredictable Mm -hmm. nature to you uh, with your personnel groupings. This next one's from Daniel. I know it's completely irrational, but I cringe when Brissett comes in. I'd rather have Eason come in for garbage time. I feel like Brissett made some plays, but at the same time, the offense was in a skewed play-calling sequence because he's the QB, so it becomes self-fulfilling problems, which are avoidable. Man, Jacoby's such a just a punching bag, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first off, I, I wouldn't cringe when Jacoby Brissett comes in the game because it probably means the game's over. True. So, first off, you know, I, I go there. And this is just the weird thing about the NFL and, and rules about how many guys you can dress. You know, people be ripping Frank Reich if he dressed Jacob Eason as a third quarterback and then suffered three corner injuries in the game, and there's no cornerback to, to turn to. So this is just the unfortunate nature of the NFL of you know, this isn't college football where you have the redshirt rule mm-hmm. of guys can play four games or whatever and still have the redshirt, and I can go play my four-star freshman and make sure he doesn't transfer and, and get some good game reps under his belt. Um, so, yeah, as much as I want to sit here and be like, yeah, Frank Reich should have known they were going to win 36-7 and he could have got Jacob Eason three series of work. Yeah. Obviously, I'd rather have Eason dressing, but I could not be more selfish. I'm not the head football coach of this team who just has seen his team suffer through a lot of injuries early in the season. This is from Isaac. Although it's versus the Jets, what's your opinion of Rhodes so far this season? Yeah, I mean, certainly some really, really good and, and some pretty bad. Um, it kind of goes back to the earlier point I made of the high risk, high reward. One thing I've noticed, Chris, I feel like he's gotten nicked up every game. Yeah. So that kind of has me worried of he's definitely come to the sideline, I think, in all three games with some sort of injury. So that's a, and he's been pretty durable throughout his career. So that's something that I'm kind of worried about moving forward. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been, boy, I mean, what he did yesterday, dude. And that's the thing. If you're going to screw up like he probably did on that busted coverage, that's where your instincts, that's where you just got to make up right. for it with your athletic ability. And he did that. Great read on Darnold to make that pick. So, uh, yeah, it's a kind of high risk, high reward so far. Brett wants to know, is this the best top-to-bottom defense that the Colts have had in 15-plus years, or have they just played three not-so-great teams? Oh, boy, I don't know if I can go that far back. 15-plus years is a long time. And that's, is. you know, that 2005 defense, the 2000. Uh, even 2009 defense was really good. I think a lot of if you ask a lot of former Colts players, they think that 2007 team was one of their better teams as well. So, yeah, I, I can't go there. I mean, certainly you've played some just terrible um, football teams, but I also think there's a level of just again the job well done notion that we should give of like there's a level of the Colts should be doing this against these quarterbacks and these offenses. But, hell, they haven't always done this. Right. And and never to this extent. So that should be commended of, you know, we're, we saw Darnold have a career day in his rookie season. Kirk Cousins is a much more accomplished quarterback than these other other two. Um, and, you know, Minshew shredded them. You know, I, and I guess Minshew still shredded them week one. But still, I, I, I just think that it doesn't sound like the greatest compliment in the world, but they are doing things against – Poor offenses that they not that they haven't always done. Mm-hmm. So that's a pat on the back. Kevin Scotty's just meh about this win. Doesn't I want... think everybody is <laughs> man. He doesn't want us to get him wrong. He loves the win, but felt like we allowed way too many yards in the first half for a team that's just bad. 
doesn't bode well against teams that are actually good teams. Well, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of validity to that statement. It was not a total domination. It was not. Uh, we have laid that out. So um, I also think of if there's like a game that I will think is least indicative of what this team will look like late December into January, it's yesterday. Mm-hmm. You hear the noise. You know the Jets stink. Right. It's a bunch of your former players. How motivated are the Jets? And gen- like all of that impacts the game. The the intensity level for the Jets will be vastly different than honestly next week. You think? I mean, Chuck Pagano is going to be one motivated sob yes, this week with his team. He's going to be. You know, say what you want about Chuck. You know this is going to mean a lot to him. Right. So. Um, yeah, it sucks because it's a 60-minute game and you have to evaluate it because, again, it's, it is one of 16, but I just don't think you can draw a bunch of grand conclusions. When you've done things multiple weeks in a row, that's where you draw a little bit more of like, oh, wow, defensive playmaking again showed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, the third down struggles happened again. You know, like that's a little bit more concrete, but just kind of the individual outliers, yeah. This one's from Trenton. Is this Colts D legit, or are we seeing something like the Patriots last year where they were a top defense in the league, but then when they played uh, when they played the cakewalk cake part pardon me, of their schedule but later dropped off during the last half of the season and the playoffs? I thought Darius Leonard had a really good quote last week about it of like, I don't care that people are saying we're a good defense in week two. I, I want them to say in week 15 or week 16. And I think that's such an accurate statement of, sustaining it in this league, mm-hmm. doing it week in and week out, doing it against different types of quarterbacks, different types of offenses, all those things, that's the ultimate barometer for you. So I think it's an improved unit. I do not think it's a legit whatever. I don't know. Does legit qualify as I don't know, top five, top three? I, I, I don't know what what that qualifies. But um, I think right now it's – if I'm projecting, if you're going to be like, where will the Colts rank in defense come week 17? I think it'll be better than half. I think it'll be sniffing right around 10. I I, do, I just don't think this is a do, as dominant of a defense as we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah. This one's from Bailey. Do you think sometimes Taylor misses out on extra yard opportunities on some runs? Could just be him wanting to stick behind the O-line. We know he has the open field talent. Just have to get to that. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting thought. I, I I noticed more of the Taylor vision questions yesterday. And, Chris, I, I kind of go back to, and I find myself doing this when I was reminded of Frank Gore's running yesterday. Like Gore's vision is incredible because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not fast. He's old. He's torn an ACL on both knees. I mean, it, it's remarkable what he's doing. But I remember that 2017 season, and you had Gore and you had Marlon Mack. And I mean, athletically gifted running backs at that point in their career, they couldn't be at two different parts of the spectrum. But remember Mac's running style that year. It was, I'm going to run to the outside, and I'm going to act like I'm the fastest kid in the playground, and no one's going to catch me. Mm -hmm. And you you can't, that's not, you can't sustain that in the NFL. That is not a, um, it might work every now and again, but it's impossible to rely on that week in and week out. Whereas Gore was like, I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. Um, I'm going to stay between the tackles, folks, and find those creases, find a little bit of daylight here or there. It won't be the prettiest thing, but it's going to be somewhat effective for me. I I sense a little bit of that with Taylor right now. He's not bouncing everything out right. like Mac did, but I think he's been a really kind of 
one-lane, maybe two-lane runner. Um, now, that movie made on fourth and goal from the one, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a free rusher right there. And he could have lowered it and said 230, take on whatever, some DB for the Jets, McDougal, I think it was maybe. Uh, and the jump cut he had on the red zone earlier in the game. I mean, the, trust me, there is some stuff that's like. Yeah. But the vision, I just don't know if he's totally confident in himself and, and how the blocking schemes are up front. Um, maybe just not as decisive with it. And again, this is third game of his rookie season. It's just, <laughs> he was very fortunate to play at Wisconsin behind that offensive line. Things yeah. look differently here. You're going to hit early. You're going to get hit earlier in plays. All of those things. Um so, yeah, I think his vision can – and look how Marlon Mack's vision developed. Probably, honestly, playing with Gore really helped Marlon. True. But obviously it, it's it's developed in a very positive manner. So I, I'm still remained encouraged by Taylor because I know there's more there. And I know he's a high-character guy, and I know it's a high ceiling. And, and I, I think this rushing offense, like I said, it's probably been somewhat disappointing. I mean, 23rd, 24th in mm-hmm. yards per carry. Um, so, yeah. I think a little bit better vision from him, and uh, that is big. Kay Shrews wants to know, is it just them, or are the stars of the defense playing very quiet at the beginning of this season? Leonard, Willis, Okariki, Houston, and somewhat Buckner just don't seem to be the ones making the big plays through the first three games. I mean, I don't know if I can go all the way there. I mean, you know, Houston's had some sacks. Buckner's, you know, wasn't all pro looking last week. Um, I mean, Leonard... (laughs) Leonard just he puts these expectations through the roof. It's, it's like, you know, we assume he should have th- you know, two interceptions and a fumble every uh-huh. week. And I wouldn't categorize Willis and Okariki as stars by any means. Um, that, that's a disservice to the word star. Uh, both nice players and both could be potential big frontline guys for you. So um, obviously you got big playmaking from other guys yesterday in this defense. So, yeah, I'm not um, – I mean, maybe a hair quiet Buckner. You know, you've played three games. Buckner's been an all-pro in one and not an all-pro in the other two. So, I I guess if you're, like, looking at it in that sense, um, I'd argue how much of a star even, again, Houston is at this point of his career. I think he's a really solid player, but, you know, I don't think he's a bona fide top-10 edge rusher in this league or something like that. Um, So, yeah. Andrew was happy to be in the stadium yesterday for the game. It was the first game of his four-game package. Uh, He says, I know we had a great win, but I still feel like there's something that is missing. I'm still not happy with the offense. I believe we only scored 17 points with the starting offense. I'm not counting the the defensive scores and the field goal when Brissett came in at QB. I feel like they should have scored more on the Jets' defense. it It just concerns me when we start playing better teams and play tighter games. Thoughts? Um, first on the atmosphere in the building, I yeah. am um, I'm encouraged to hear it sounds like they might get a lot more fans in the building for that uh, Bengals game. You going to up it up again? Yeah, they had, um, what's her name, Virginia Kane, uh, the Marion County health lady. Mm-hmm. They had her on, uh, on Friday, talked about they were really encouraged by the protocols followed in that Vikings game. Now, I, I've gone back and watched pretty much all the game, but I did see a few crowd shots and not a lot of mask wearing in the building. I don't know if that'll be a slap on the wrist or, you know, who knows how that'll impact 
what the attendance will be for that Bengals game because it's two road games down in a row, mm-hmm. and then the Bengals come to town. I man, I think fifteen thousand. That's awesome. I, I I hope. I mean, that's just me, just kind of wanting to see a, a bigger atmosphere in there and whatnot. Um, okay, offensively, I agree. You you do need a little bit better from this offense, and I, I go back to the situational stuff, which I know I've said, and I still stand by this. I believe in Frank Reich and Philip Rivers to get it done because their careers, their history, say that they get it done in situational football. But you cannot survive with this current output on third down. I mean, they're worse than the NFL. Yeah. And, and you can't survive even in what you've done in drives and opposing territory. Um, you still haven't gotten enough out of it there. So what worries me a little bit situationally is I do feel like it's a player's not yeah, players not plays thing. And again, the no Campbell, you know, we'll see when Burton comes back. You know, T.Y. was better yesterday, but still, I mean, T.Y. just, he hasn't struck fear in the opponent. I mean, we're going I mean, yeah. 16 games since he last had a 100-yard outing. So, um, for those reasons, uh, I'm a little bit concerned about it. But again, I have faith in Frank Reich. And back to the mask, I love how he was like, you know what? I'm not getting fined. We're just going with the shield. Shield it. I'm just going to shield. Did you hear a fan sent that to him? No, I did not. Yeah, he um, a fan invented it and sent it to him, and he talked about it after. I, I would go shield, too. Yeah. I mean. Why not? The mask, you muffled. It's hard to breathe. I'd be rocking the shield. It's no fog shield, which is the yeah. fan's big pitch. You know, obviously, Andy Reid looked <laughs> like he was hot boxing on the sidelines, you know, back in week one. So, uh, yeah. This one's from Wake Spike. With the lack of a go-to receiver this year, create a better mismatch and well-rounded core, especially since three to six receivers are getting real game reps. Um, Boy, it's a really optimistic way to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't go there. I mean, it is like, okay, you are relying on guys to make some plays for you, which is nice. And it's good depth, but I still am a big believer, Chris. And man, when Chuck Pagano prepares for this football team this week, which just sounds wild to say out loud, <laughs> but welcome to 2020. Um, where do I put two defenders for an opposing wideout? Do I need to? That's probably the bigger question. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the Colts, I want that question to be yes, you got to do this each week. You have to commit two to T.Y. Hilton, you have to take him away. Because he is a bona fide stud, by far number one wideout. Um, so yeah, I I I think that would be more of my concern. Yeah, nice depth, but again, if I have a playmaker that commands that sort of attention week in and week out, that's going to open things up for the other guys. And I don't think the Colts have that right now. Ty's got to get back to that. Yes. Ty has got to get back to that. Our next one's from Michael. Kevin, do you ever get tired of people asking you asking you questions, always second-guessing the Colts' staff and ownership? You hardly get very many positive tweets about how the team does, in, in his opinion, even after a win. He loves how you keep it balanced, never too high, never too low, understands that people have the right to their opinion and can question Ballard, Reich, etc., but at some point, it has to get old. Wow. Michael. Um, and I believe this was sent in before. <laughs> the tone of these questions today. Uh, first off, Michael, I do not, it does not get old at all. This is my job. This is one of the, what I've wanted to do my whole life. I get to cover an NFL team and uh, 
go to NFL games and NFL practices. And yeah, I am. Uh, no, it, it does not get old what, whatsoever because I'm so passionate about what I do for a living. And you know what? I I um I I don't fault the the tone of these questions or um yeah yesterday wasn't a perfect game week two wasn't a perfect now how many perfect games do you have in the NFL I guess that's fair to say yeah but I'm a fan <laughs> and and I want Notre Dame football to be you know damn good and I Brian Kelly's had a really really good run at Notre Dame I, at times I feel like you know fans probably don't give him enough credit for the run that they've had considering his predecessors right and, and how they performed there but um i i sit there and still want more and, and do um and I, again that's just part of being a fan and i think honestly you know our fan base and certainly our generation talking about you and i especially you know we are used to the cult of winning right, you yeah. know i mean i don't know i probably the first really colts game that i have vivid images of is the afc title game in 95 um, Colt Steelers, and I mean, ever since then, the Colts have won better than anybody in the NFL, not named the Patriots, right. really. So, um, I think the bar is set pretty high here. Um, and so, no, I don't. I mean, I think there are fair questions to be asked, and uh, we're going to ask them, man, and and we're going to a- answer the questions you guys ask. Yep. So, um, these are literally the questions that we get each week. I have. Several saved over. Probably more of the bigger picture stuff I have saved for Wednesday's podcast that we'll touch on as well. But, Michael, it does not get old, man. It, it, it doesn't. We do a bi-weekly podcast. I know we're going to have similar questions. I know that the topics might not be as wide-ranging. We, we try to um, be creative with that and, and keep it up. But, no, man, I am, I'm doing what I love. So, bring them on. Ask away. Kevin Gregory loves Jacoby. Great guy, great locker room guy, great teammate, etc. That being said, why do the Colts keep him? If Rivers goes down, don't you take the op- don't you take the opportunity to see what Eason has? You've seen Brissett, not great. He feels, and he is very expensive. Expensive backup. Oh yeah, I'm very expensive. Um, but you know he is a good backup. Like let's not I- I- ignore that. Uh, you know the Jets backup yesterday was a guy by the name of. Um, Mike White. <laughs> it's like the most computer-generated yeah. quarterback. Right. Like who? Um, so, yeah, uh, he's a good backup. He's expensive, but but he's solid. And, and I also think in the back of the Colts' minds, they are very um, – they like to prepare, I think, for the worst-case scenario at quarterback. I mean, you got Chad Kelly in your practice squad right now. you got Jacob Eason being a healthy scratch each week. I think in the back of their mind, they still think, man, if for some reason Rivers is like, I don't want to play football anymore, mm-hmm. having some sort of contingency plans. Possible now, Jacoby's a free agent, obviously, but having contingency plans in place clearly matters to this team. I mean, there's a reason Jacoby Brissett's making 21 million, right? And the Colts are content with that, so um, that's why they keep him, and and they obviously love him, you know, for the reasons that that you laid out right now. Got two more Twitter questions for this edition of the podcast. This one's from John. Don't want to overreact, but if Rhodes is solid at outside corner, I don't see an obvious hole in this defense. If Mo is emerging in the pass game, I don't see an obvious hole in the offense outside of the future quarterback. Assuming Eason isn't the guy, is this roster finally good enough at the top and also deep enough 
that we can afford to sell the farm for a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. It just feels like we can't afford to go without our 2022 first-round pick based on how well this team seems to be coming together. You know, John, I, I'll, I'll feel on that part. I think it's something we talked about last week. You do feel like the roster depth is in a much more um, stable place, comfortable place, mm-hmm. whatever word you kind of want to throw in there. Now, there are still needs, and, and you know, depth at cornerback and speed edge rusher and certainly support at wide out and you know, offensive line depth and, and all of those things fall into that category. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would feel comfortable – more com- You're never going to feel totally comfortable mortgaging any sort of draft. But knowing what that position means, um, yeah, I'd feel uh, I'd feel more comfortable there. And we're rounding this out with a question from Matt. Colts are minus three against Nick Folds, or I should say Colts are a three-point favorite against Nick Folds. Bears haven't played anyone this year as of yet. Are you nervous about giving three points? Any early thoughts? Uh, so that's what the early spread is? Damn. Minus three against the Bears. Boy, I'll give uh, Matt Nagy some credit, man. That's a ballsy move to bench Trubisky mm-hmm. as a two and oh, and, and and I watched that game, and and I mean, Trubisky wasn't good. He didn't look like Tolzine. I mean, it wasn't like real. It, again, it wasn't great by any means, and I understand why he did it. But uh, that's a not that's an aggressive move, and, and because what it does is it probably says, Mitch, we will never go back to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I, that's how I felt. You were in a competition to begin with. You bench him after a two and zero start to the season, unless Nick Foles gets hurt. I mean, you aren't you aren't turning back to him. I, at least that's my thinking with it. Um, it's kind of like Tannehill to Mariota. You know, one one of those situations. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick Foles was almost a cult this past offseason. I, I think if the Rivers thing wouldn't have worked out, I think Nick Foles would have seriously been been looked into. So. Um, yeah, minus three against the Bears. I don't think the Bears are very good. Like, 3-0 and very good. Right. Their defense does have some pieces. Yeah, th- minus three is probably... I think that line will be closer to pick them by kickoff. I do as well. Um, I don't know. Tariq Cohen, I saw Torres ACL yesterday. I say that because he's one of the few guys on my fantasy team that ever does anything. I got smoked again, by the way, in fantasy. Um, terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, minus three is probably a little bit too of my. I'm with you, man. Like I, I um, and I, I bet on Notre Dame earlier this year, which was just dumb. But I don't. I figured out. I don't think I like doing that. I cheer anyways. Right. I don't need monetary value attached to my cheering. Yeah, and what I don't want to do if I if I lose the game, I don't want to be as pissed a fan. Right. I don't want to also lose money. There's been times where I've bet against my team just so I'm like. Uh, at least I come out of this 500 <laughs> that's somehow. Insane. That's just, oh, man. That's, gosh, that's tough. I I, I can't go there. Um, but, yeah, we'll obviously talk more about the Bears on, on Wednesday. Cool. Is that it? That's it. All right, man. Yeah, like I said, we got a lot. I'm just scrolling through right now. We got a lot already for Wednesday's podcast. We'll hit on those. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. You guys know where to find us this week. If you have any questions, 1075thefan.com. For your written content, 2-1 Colts, 3-0 Bears later this week. Peace.